welcome inside episode number seven of the Vipers Talk podcast presented by Air Max Media. I am your host, Justin Ayers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Nick Lomax. It's a sad day for our podcast. Yes. And XFL fans everywhere. Sad day all around. Uh, if you couldn't tell by the inflection in our voice, uh, we don't have uh, a Vipers recap. There is no... There is no recap for week six. Week six never happened in the XFL because the XFL season, as of Thursday around 5.30 in the afternoon, uh, was canceled due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic that has affected the country. Every major sport has shut down. There was a little period of time where people thought the XFL would hold out. Which I think they should have, but... Well, there was the whole imagine, imagine the ratings. Yeah, if, if they wanted ratings, they would have held on. But uh, if I think for the health and wellness of everybody, players, fans, everybody involved, um, I'm going to read the statement from the XFL. Quote, currently the XFL will not be playing its regular season games. However, all players will be paid their base pay and benefits for the 2020 regular season. All XFL ticket holders will be issued refunds or credit towards future games. The XFL is committed to playing a full season in 2021 and future years. So it's not it's not goodbye forever. It's goodbye for now. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Well, first off, I want to say that the XFL is doing a classy thing by continuing to pay them. Yes. Because that's that's awesome. And we've heard many times about how how professional this league is. That's another example. And yeah, that's that's an awesome move by them. It really is. This kind of just separates the XFL from the AAF. If the, if this was the AAF and the coronavirus hit, uh, they for sure would have just like said like we don't have any money. Bye. Goodbye. Yep. Folded up and just. They would have they would have packed it in like a, like a really crappy carnival that comes to your town during the summertime, and the tilt to whirl is a little deadly. So uh, that's that's what the AAF would have done. They would have packed it all up and driven out of town in the middle of the night. Not the XFL. Class acts. Vince McMahon and the whole gang over there. Um, so it is a shame that we will not have any more XFL football this year, but uh, the, they are committed to playing games next year. So it's, it's actually a good sign that, that all this is going down and there's a future for this league. Um, there's some XFL news going around. There's a tweet from Danny Jones, XFL News. Um, he said, quote, as I reported earlier, XFL 2021 has been confirmed and planning has already begun. Executives are currently looking at slash discussing expansion one year early, believing one way to keep fans' interest is to add new teams in new cities, uh, and they're looking at Atlanta and Chicago as the top two choices. Hmm. So maybe that's maybe that's what will come out of this in this time without XFL football is new teams. Um, they had already kind of had plans for a ninth team. If you looked on the XFL website, there was like the eight teams, and it said unnamed team nine. But uh, I think that would I think that would do a good job of keeping fans' interest. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's there's nothing like keeping interest like adding teams i mean mm -hmm. you see it in the nhl right now with seattle yep potentially getting a team everyone's uh, jacked trying, up about that oh yeah they're trying to see or guess what the name is going to be the the mascot and all that so it's pretty exciting it's an interesting time um I, i'm glad uh, i'm glad the people who uh, that are running the xfl are running the xfl because it gives me a little hope that they will come back and that they won't have like empty promises um so as far as the future um, we on uh, today's episode we have an episode uh, a great interview with Vipers tight end Colin Thompson. Uh, Colin and I were talking earlier today, and Colin had told me that um, as far I asked him about like all right, so what's going to happen with all the players and everything, and he said um, they're asking guys uh, who wants to come back, and most of the team wants to be back um, if they don't get picked up by an NFL team or move on from football as a whole, and that kind of reinforces what I read on Pro Football Talk was that um, the XFL will release players from their contracts if there is a credible offer from the National Football League or the Canadian Football League. Which, that's awesome too. Right. Very professional. Their, their, their contracts run until May 31st, so um, that's, that's kind of how that all shakes out. So that gives the XFL also, a, a coach has told a player, um, there's no names in here, but the Pro Football Talk mentioned that they, uh, the XFL hopes to potentially return for a final game to finish the 2020 season. I don't know if I see that happen or not. Maybe an all-star game. An all-star game would be fun. That would be like pretty cool. Like a pro bowl? Yeah, yeah. Without, just, like, the skills competition where they play dodgeball? <laughs> yeah, just have pretty much the roughnecks versus whoever else they can put together. DC defenders. Oh, after getting stomped by two of the worst teams, I don't know if you can really... Yeah, that might that one might actually not... 
work out so great. But yeah, a final, you want to do a final check of the standings for XFL 2020? Might as well. In the XFL East, there is a three-way tie for first place between the DC Defenders, the St. Louis Battlehawks, the New York Guardians. They're all at three and two. Um, but apparently DC's got the one seed. I, I don't know how that works, but... Um, then the XFL West, it is Houston undefeated at 5-0. and Dallas is in second place, 2-3. Uh, and three. LA Wildcats also 2-3. and three. And then the Seattle Dragons, just like the Vipers, are 1-4. and four. So, you know, there was some excitement this year in the XFL. There was. Uh, there was no team was really, like, out of contention at, at all. I mean, the Vipers are in last place, but yet one of the most talented teams, <laughs> one of the better offenses, uh, just couldn't finish and put the, put enough points on the board was really their problem. And then you had teams like the Defenders who were in first place getting beat by two of the worst teams. So it's a good point. A lot of I was I was just starting to like like uh, I obviously were Vipers fans, but the league as a whole, you know what I mean? Like the whole XFL football experience. I oh, think yeah. people as a whole were coming around to 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 liking it. It was more mainstream than I think uh, a lot of people thought. And it's, it's a very relaxed league. Mm -hmm. It's not like the NFL where everything's uptight. And I get that the NFL is a bigger entity and has to be more professional more professional and careful with their steps. But the XFL just seemed more fun. It did. So we have one more thing, and then we'll get to our, our big-time interview. We're going to do the top five moments in Tampa Bay Vipers history. Uh, we say that because they've only had one year. But, you know, top five moments of the year um, – it, it, there's a lot of lot of excitement around this team, and uh, obviously it didn't pan out in wins and losses, but the players and everything that happened on the field, uh, so we're going to get right out into it. Number one on the list, actually, do you, you know five through one? Let's go five through one. Yeah, let's start with number five. Number five, defensive tackle Ricky Walker, week one, punched a guy in the face against the New York Guardians, and he clocked his head back like rock'em sock'em robots. Yeah, I mean, nothing's bad. Everyone loves it in hockey. Why not add it to the XFL? If you think about the timing of this, that was the first game of the first weekend. It was the first game of the first Sunday in XFL. A lot of big-time audiences were tuning in. Um, between New York's obviously a big market. And then to see the back angle, we never got that front angle, but the no. back angle of Ricky Walker going up under the face mask and the guy's head snapping back, and obviously the first player in XFL to get ejected. Well, that's a great stat for us to have. I'm glad that we're that, that rough and rowdy team that gritty you yeah, just gritty we're tough guys yeah AFC North football um, so that is number five number four we had the number one offense in the XFL after our week four win against the DC defenders yeah I mean our run game was just phenomenal uh, corn dog eventually kind of got got into a rhythm and really started feeling himself it's a shame that once he started playing well we uh, have to end the season so yeah it is what it is but it was 381.3 yards per game, um, and that actually is a far cry uh, later in the season than it was in the early part of the season, because if you remember, we couldn't score any touchdowns um, offensively for a while. Um, but you're right, Corndog, Taylor Cornelius really hit his stride there. Um, and also, I want to bring up the fact that uh, in the XFL, Taylor Cornelius has the fourth most passing yards. And he didn't even start till week three? Um, I think he was, no, he's week two. He was week two? Well, yeah, because Murray was, Murray played week one, and then week and two. Then, okay, you're right. Um, so he didn't even play the first game. Um, and he didn't play every snap of every game. He did not. he was out for a good chunk of it. Yes. So, and 858 passing yards. Um, t Corndog really hit his stride down the stretch. And also, I want to mention the one-two running back duo of ja Jaquez Patrick and Davion Smith. Electric. <laughs> Very awesome. I mean, they those this running game is just amazing. It was what really started carrying us down the stretch, and I really wish that we'd get to see more of them. I love watching Dequez Patrick just run over guys, just bully them. I think we really figured out our identity as a team yeah. as the weeks went on, because at the beginning we wanted to be this like West Coast pass-first offense, and then later in the year we discovered that Smith and Patrick wanted to a running back like, they can just play bully ball, and they can get you first downs whenever they want. Yeah, having two good running backs is awesome. You always have fresh legs in there. And when you can really start wearing a defense down, that really makes a difference in the passing game and in the running game. Being able to Time do whatever you want. Yeah, it's, it's huge. So, Smith is actually, 
your XFL's first season leader at rushing yards, Davion Smith, 365 rushing yards. That is first in the XFL. Jaquez Patrick is third in the XFL with 254 yards on the ground. Yeah, and to have two running backs sharing from the same team sharing the top five, the top three at that. That's insane. Yeah. Like, I don't think another team has that many people in, in the top half. Um, so our offense hitting their stride down the stretch is the number four moment. Number three is our guy, Colin Thompson, the tight end, who had the amazing catch against the D.C. defenders in week four. Yeah. Colin, we're going to talk about this with Colin in the interview that will be coming up next. But just the, the, the whole play, like Colin Thompson, that was the only catch he had this year. And it was a real hustle play. Heads up play. He was like five yards behind the, the where Dan Williams was at wide receiver, and he just came out of nowhere and scooped the ball up. Yeah, just sticking with the play, following the ball. And it, it kind of seemed to be something that the Vipers did very well on defense, is all the guys continuing to play until the whistle. Yep. And Colin Thompson did exactly that and ended up getting a first down, scooping the ball up right before it hit the ground, and just an awesome play. Blew up on Twitter. It was, it was everywhere. The XFL account retweeted it and everything. Um, so our guy Colin Thompson's amazing scoop of a catch is the number three moment in Tampa Bay Vipers history. Number two, yeah, number two, Reese Horn, his pump-up speech before the first home game at Raymond James Stadium was, to say it's electric is an understatement. It was like a WWE promo. Vince McMahon was probably sitting somewhere or just like clapping because he, he dropped the, do you smell what the Vipers are cooking like The Rock used to? Oh, yeah. Had you ready to run through a wall. Just one of the best speeches. It, uh, it really got the fans pumped up, and I'm glad the XFL put that on TV because um, it gave us a chance to just see what Reese Horn is, is like uh, electric. I really hope Reese Horn comes back to this team next year if he doesn't get picked up. Uh, well, first, we hope he gets picked up in the NFL. Well, yes. Okay, we hope he does go to the NFL because he was on the Vikings for a little bit. But we'd love to have him back. We would love to have Reese Horn back. And that leads us to the number one moment in Tampa Bay Vipers' inaugural season. This was, of course, the first offensive touchdown of the season. And who scored it, Nick? Our guy, Quentin Flowers. The start Flowers movement at that point was red hot. But an understatement. The, yeah, an understatement. The first offensive touchdown came in week three, which is kind of hard to believe because that is a long time to go without a offensive touchdown but week one just a field goal three points week two there was an interception for a touchdown and some field goals but no offensive touchdown but week three at home against houston um uh with uh quentin flowers did a read option play where he just scrambled into the end zone for the first offensive touchdown in tampa history um and that really uh like after that people were really calling for for quentin flowers to get more involved which Unfortunately, it did not happen. No, it had the exact opposite effect. It, uh, it was a shame what happened to Quentin and everything. Um, he probably won't come back. I'm just, we're, we, don't, we, don't, we don't know that as a fact. We're just guessing. Yeah, we're going to, it's a hot take, but he might be right. Next year, we might not probably. not be a hot take at all. Yeah, we probably will not see Quentin Flowers back in Tampa. Um, unfortunately. It, unfortunately. Um, I mean, maybe he'll come back. Maybe he will be, like, the only quarterback on the roster. I don't know. There's a lot of things that could happen from now until next season. But uh, those are your top five moments in Tampa Bay Vipers history one, one year into this XFL. And if you guys have any moments that you all were amazed by, let us know. Put and there's down. others. Yeah, there's plenty of others. It was a great season, great, what, five games? Five games. Yeah, amazing. It um, all was not lost. So um, now we are going to get into our big time interview. And this is, of course, with Vipers tight end. We mentioned him before, Colin Thompson. You remember him from that amazing catch against DC. But Colin and, and Nick and I had just an amazing conversation. Best, well, we can honestly say it's the best uh, interview on the uh, Vipers podcast. But we've done interviews on our other podcasts before, and he's still one of the best. Yes. I mean, great guy. All around Excellent. amazing guy. We, uh, we, we, I reached out to him. He's a podcaster. And uh, I, I, I said, look, podcaster to podcaster, I'd love to, to have you on. And uh, we originally planned for about 20 to 25 minutes. We ended up going about 45 just because of how awesome he yeah, was. Yeah, just, just a great guy, just great conversation. It was just nice to, to get to talk to him and really just have some fun with it, a real fun interview. And that's, that's what we like to have. 
So uh, we are going to stop talking, and we are going to kick this over to our interview with Tampa Bay Vipers tight end, Colin Thompson. Enjoy. We now welcome on a very special guest, Tampa Bay Vipers tight end Colin Thompson joins us. Colin, how are we doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no, we're really excited. You're the first Vipers player we've had on Vipers Talk, so uh, we're, we're really excited. So let's kind of start with your background and a little bit of how you got here. Uh, you're from Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Uh, I was told to ask if you're a fan of Nat's Pizza. <laughs> That's funny. I am a fan of Nat's Pizza and their Italian hoagies and a little bit of everything. How does that, how are you, who asked you that question? So uh, a very good friend of mine, he grew up in uh, New Britain. So I think that's a oh, little bit okay. like down the road. Uh, not much, so, like five minutes, not even. Some of that, yeah. uh, some of that Philly PA love there. Um, I, I that's kinda, great. <laughs> I, I told him you're coming on. I was asking for some of the lingo. So I'm going to shout out Bill Mitch. But uh, he he said uh, he said to ask why you didn't go to CB West High School and why you went to Archbishop. So I would have went to Central Bucks East, not Central Bucks West, oh, just okay. all where I live. Um, and then I went to Archbishop Wood. Just was a new opportunity for me uh, academically, and then football wise was a great um, great opportunity. Um, uh, but yeah, it worked out okay. Ended up winning a state title. Um, ended up uh, winning a bunch of football games there on some really great teams. And it was the best thing for me, I thought, to get me to uh, play at the next level and continue my goal of playing in the NFL one day. And I achieved it all because of really, because uh, I went to that school. So it was a perfect fit for me at the time. That's awesome. So you're yeah. from Pennsylvania. Are you an Eagles fan? We kind of read online that your, uh, your favorite NFL player was Jason Witten. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't like that in Philly. Um, <laughs> I am not an Eagles fan. I am an Eagles supporter. That's what I'll leave it at that. Um, okay. As a kid, I grew up supporting all the teams. And we had a family friend who actually is a DB's coach for the St. Louis Battlehawks. He was my head coach uh, or our head coach with the Birmingham Iron, Tim Lewis. Um, him and my mom grew up together. And Tim was a defensive coordinator all around the NFL. So we followed his team, Steelers, Giants, with the Giants Super Bowl parade. Uh, so, and then I got to play for the Giants, which is pretty cool, full circle. And, um, yeah, so no, not, I mean, Eagles supporter. I want him to do well. It's great in our area. I root for him. I cheer him on. I'm not a diehard like my friends. Uh, I'm a diehard Flyers fan. I love the Flyers. Um, I'm going to try to actually get to the Flyers Tampa Bay Lightning game this, this uh, Thursday down here. So, uh, I'm a big Flyers fan. I like the Phillies as well. I'm going to try to get to Clearwater this weekend, but we got in really late from LA and I couldn't swing it on, um, Monday, but, uh, no, I love Philly sports, uh, but I am not a true diehard Eagles fan like the rest of my buddies are, that's for sure. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to yeah. circle back. Uh, you, you mentioned your, your accomplished high school career. Um, and and what I, from everything I was reading, it was really great stuff. Four stall, uh, consensus four-star recruit, first-team All-American, the number two tight end in the nation, um, heavily recruited by schools all across the country. But you, you, you decided on University of Florida and Will Muschamp uh, what was it about University of Florida that made you want to go down there? It was such a great place. It is such a great place, I should say. I absolutely love the University of Florida. Um, you can't beat – you really can't beat it. <laughs> I try to explain it to people from up north. It's like Penn State with palm trees. Uh, very mm-hmm. similar vibe. Obviously, a ton of state passion. You know, there's – to have the Gator, Gator Nation is literally all over the world. Uh, <laughs> it's just a great place to go to school which shocked me. I didn't really know. Um, like an SEC, I don't, I wanted to go to BC or like a Northwestern, uh, for media and the Florida scholastically was really good. So I, that was key for me. And then football wise, you can't beat it. It's a great place to play football. I love, uh, I love playing for Will Muschamp. And then I had injury problems there. I couldn't get healthy. And that was really the underlining, uh, thing the reason why I left I broke my right foot twice I broke my left foot um, and I got medically disqualified and they said you should never play football again so um, I guess on to the next thing at how I ended up at Temple I met with some specialists Dr. Robert Anderson who's out, used to be out of Charlotte now he's out of Green Bay he's like the best foot and ankle guy in the country and met with him and um, he's like you'll be fine Just, you need some time away you need some time off your feet and I rested up healed up Work with a great uh, training staff at, at Temple and a great physical therapist, uh, Joel Roth, at Temple, and 
they changed my life really and uh, got me back on track and probably reached my goal playing the NFL. So you, you mentioned going back to Temple. Was that more more so like as a result of the football or the academics or what made you kind of decide to go up to Temple and kind of look to have a little bit of a homecoming? Well, yeah, but just complete transparency. They're the only team that uh, offered me a scholarship when I transferred. Um, and actually University of Montana too. Uh, very kind of random, but a, a family friend <laughs> uh, who is an alum there knows people and put me in contact. I was just trying to collect some offers at the time and have some options. It's a beautiful place and I, would, I should have visited, but um, I it made it easy to stay home at Temple. But no, I, they were my only team that offered. I tried to go to UCF. They offered me a walk-on spot. I went from, from you know number one, number two tight end in the country to two years later, I am banging on doors trying to get an offer and I had 30 and I can't even get one. Um, so UCF offer, uh, offered a walk on same with Penn state. And I just, my pride is I earned scholarship. You know, I, I won the scholarship player. I think I should be on scholarship and, um, I don't want my parents and myself to have to pay, to pay for school. Um, so temple was the only offer really the bad of the D one schools, the big schools. And I kind of just said, all right, let's give it a shot. Let's see how it is. The program won two games a year before, uh, I got extremely lucky going there, <laughs> picked the right time. Best best Temple football teams in the history of the school, mm-hmm. uh, pretty pretty much. Um, back-to-back 10-win seasons, a conference championship, and uh, a head coach who's on a rocket ship to now in the NFL, which we knew was going to happen when we were at Temple. When he left and went to Baylor, we knew that was going to work out for him well. He's a great coach in Matt Rule. So it was a great system. I'm fortunate for Matt Rule and his staff and the people to bring me in there, and I learned a lot and learned how to be a pro. And it was the you know, best thing that really ever happened to me in football, honestly. So describe your game to us a little bit um, in college and even in high school. Were you more of a blocking or a receiving tight end? Uh, and which did you enjoy more? I love, I love the challenge of it all. Um, I get labeled as a blocker because I do a lot of it. It's uh, a lot of tight ends don't do that now. And you kind of get shoehorned into um, that's who you are because a lot of guys do other things really well, like receiving and their athletic ability. So, um, I do a little bit more blocking in our offense here uh, in Tampa. I did a little bit of both uh, at Temple uh, in the NFL when I was at the Bears. I was more of a receiving guy, uh, just based off offenses and what the need is per se. Um, so uh, again, it, I, I like doing both. I can do both. Um, am I as athletic as Nick Truesdale? No. Uh, <laughs> Nick's a freak and a great guy, and, and, and Goolsby's a you know a freak and a great guy and great athletes. But I can get the job done. Or, do you, uh, it's a little bit of both. Do you think that blocking tight ends are kind of like the most underappreciated role in football? Because you, you kind of brought this up and are alluding to it, that tight ends now are expected to all be like Rob Gronkowski and, and catch touchdowns and make flashy plays in the receiving game. But do you think that they're underappreciated when it comes to just the, the, the gritty blockers? Yeah, I mean, I you see it now like when George Kittle makes a huge block, everyone's like blown away by it. But there's guys that do that in the league every day. Every That's how they that's how they pay their bills i mean it's a business at the end of the day so um no i think they're unappreciated sure yeah i i think they are as a whole uh, there's definitely value in it if you can block um there you you have a lot of value to teams you can see what the niners do with with fullbacks and tight ends and a lot of different things with use check and kill uh they had sell they have a lot of good players out there you see what um kansas city does with kelsey and He's not the most physical guy, but he can block and gets the job done when it's needed. So uh, Gronk is an anomaly, and he's just a freak where he can block like his offensive lineman. He's so big, he, you know. He's obviously retired now, but we're away from football. I don't know if he's officially retired, but he's right, a yeah. freak, and he's not normal. Um, six seven, two seventy five, you know, run like a receiver and block like an offensive tackle. That's very very rare. Now, kind of in that same vein as it relates to blocking tight ends, um, as it relates to stats, like a lot of what you guys do don't show up in a stat sheet. Like when you look yeah. at like your, your stats for the game, you might have one catch. Um, is that something that like, uh, are you concerned with your stats at all? Or are you more of like a team guy that you rather set 10 really good blocks as opposed to, I don't know, catch a, catch a great pass? Yeah, no, it's funny, actually. You know, every once in a while, some came, somebody sent me a tweet on uh, Twitter and one of the Vipers, like, or one of the XFL, like, stat was like, why the heck did the Vipers take this guy, Colin Thompson? I think it was like some random Vipers fan, like, uh, why would you ever take this kid? Like, he's horrible pro day. 
he had caught like you know four passes his senior year in college like he's horrendous uh and i probably play how play offensive snaps now you know so it is what it is it's just funny but that's how people are graded now like you said um it's all about numbers and and the, what, how many catches you had and if you say like i remember back in the day you'd ask a tight end they'd ask uh you know how you know how'd you play and you would say you know i play well i did a little bit of both now it's like hey how many catches did you had so it, it, how many questions do you have in the game too so it's it's much different uh, the world expects much more out of tight ends, at least the media does, and the fans and, and fantasy football and the world we live in today of that. So um, that's a great question. Uh, but no, I don't I don't care about stats. No, it's, it doesn't bother me. I just hope we win. Got to get get some more wins here uh, in Tampa. Yeah. We're a good football team, really are. Just all of our losses come down to the last you know drive or so, and we got to finish. I do. Uh, I have one more question with your Temple career. Um, yep. I want to take you back. It was 2016. This was Temple versus USF. This was your mm-hmm. first and only college touchdown. Um, the quarterback at the time was, uh, this is fascinating, was uh, Philip Walker or PJ Walker, I guess he goes by now. Uh, now on the Houston Roughnecks, also in the XFL. And the other team's quarterback was Quentin Flowers, who's now your teammate in Tampa. Uh, do you and Quentin ever ever talk about that game? I mean, it was, uh, it was a high-scoring affair there. Oh, we always do. Uh, we always talk about our time playing against USF. I'm very close with uh, Philip Walker, PJ Walker. He's one of my best friends in the world of football. He's a great man, and everything he's got going on in Houston, he deserves and some. Uh, he's a great human being and a, and a great player, and I love I love PJ. Um, but no, Q and I talk about it all the time uh, because it was such a shootout, and he would him and Marlon Mack and the other receiver, 87, who slips my mind. Uh, they were just like a track meet and they had a good offensive line. Uh, we had some great battles. We were a, diff- a different built team. We were a physical, multiple tight ends, best fullback in the country. Uh, if anybody's looking for that, type in LSU dad, Temple football, USF, or well, something like that. And you're going to see a video. And you're going to laugh so hard because we just were just ground and pound and USF was spread it out. So yeah, score my first touchdown at home. I believe it was a weekday night. We always played them on a weekday, Thursday or Friday uh, at Lincoln Financial Field. That was our home field where the Eagles play. And uh, yeah, scored in the, uh, let's see, south, uh, east end zone. That was a hell of a catch, zone. by the way. Yeah, I was wide open. So wide open. Tough. They're <laughs> tough, man. They're harder when you got somebody all over you. So you really got to focus <laughs> because the pressure is up way more. Uh, you really got to focus on the ball. But yeah, it was our tip, was, I was caught a bunch of those passes in high school and college. It's just a delay play where you block him down. You yep. kind of hide out and quarterback throws it back and PJ put it on the money as always. So yeah, it's a good memory. Very fond of it. That's awesome. All right. So let's talk about your NFL career in 2017. You latched onto the giants for a bit and spent time um, on the bears practice squad. What was that experience like? And what did you take out of your time in the NFL? Oh, it's a great experience. That's why we're here in this XFL trying to get back because it's just so unique and it's so special when you're in it. Uh, and it's, so hard to get back when you're not in it, um, but it's a great place, and um, I love my time, really did. Uh, with the Giants, uh, so kind of crazy story. I played my first preseason game that same field where Tim Lewis and my mom and I were walking. I don't know, 15 years before, and I'm saying, Mom and Tim, I want to do this one day. I want to play a Giant. I want to play in the stadium. Uh, I love Jeremy Shockey. I want to be number 80. And I walk in my locker my first day as a Giant, I'm number 80 in Giant Blue. Uh, it was a pretty surreal feeling for me. So it was a dream come true uh, to play for them and to play in that stadium. And I played my first game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a preseason game. I played probably, I don't know, 10, 15 plays at the end of the game. Uh, I was a sixth tight end. And I woke up the next morning in excruciating pain. And I had emergency appendectomy about three hours later. Um, and I got cut 48 hours later. Uh, so that's the business of football. Someone's in, you're out. And non-football related so they move on when no strings attached and everything's okay on their end and i'm at home with my parents couch what am i doing with my life so uh got picked up by the bears about 10 weeks later when zach miller went down uh in new orleans with that knee injury he's a great great guy i feel so bad for him he's a great player too but he's tough and resilient and he's doing great things in chicago now but zach miller went down they had a tight end tryout and i went on their practice squad I was there for about 11 months and that was a fantastic experience, experiencing the city of Chicago and playing for two first class organizations and 
the Bears and the Giants is just you couldn't ask for anything really better to play for for two teams. Uh, went to training camp with the Giants. I mean, with the Bears that entire off season. Uh, Matt Nagy's first season, so two years ago, and then um, played in the five preseason games. We had the Hall of Fame game that year, and then got cut. And thought I was going. I thought I played well, but uh, just a numbers game. I got cut the day uh, Cleo Matt got traded for. I'll never forget that. And uh, I, uh, yeah, it was a good experience. And I thought I was going to get a bunch of workouts and things were going well, and the phones went silent. Yeah, and that's what led me to the AF down the road. So after uh, 2018 and the practice squad time um, being cut, did you have the difficult conversation of what do I do if I'm not playing football? Oh, that's a great question. It's a really great question. No, I, I constantly have to think about that. To be honest with you, I think we all do in a way, uh, and then it goes away as quick as possible. I have my own podcast, so not the long sports podcast. So I'm in media. I'm, I'm constantly got the ball moving, and I always say it, I have the burners. All the burners are on. If you picture a stove, the football one's on boil and cooking the hottest, but there's always other burners on running on low. And to me, that's the way I do it, the best way I can do it to allow myself to have opportunities when my career does end. And hopefully it's not soon because I love playing football and I love my situation and our situation here in Tampa has been awesome. So, um, uh, no, so something in media – uh, if I had to do it, maybe, and, and maybe something in coaching, but who knows? But yeah, I've, I've had the conversation with myself, uh, with my girlfriend, Sydney, and my parents, of course. But thankfully, I have not had to be too serious about it, um, uh, other than a little stint there when I got cut by the Bears. So uh, before, at the end of training camp, work for my mother's company. She's in retail at LSL Brands. It's her business. And work for her and work for my dad. And did media. I do uh, radio for Temple football games. So I get to travel to Temple football and do sideline reporting and, and uh, sideline color commentary. So it's a good deal. I stay busy and uh, football is always boiling the heart. So that's for sure. I love football. So you brought up your AAF experience and that's, it's interesting that you've played in both the AAF and the XFL two expansion football leagues. Uh, you were at the Birmingham iron. Uh, what were some of the differences you can tell us about both leagues and what were some of the similarities you found? Well, the similarities are, I would say, more on the players than when it comes to like the back, the front office, back office stuff. Uh, the group of guys are all just guys in the third and fourth quarter of preseason games, just waiting for their shot and trying to get more film. Um, good people with good coaches. There's definitely some similarities. A lot of the coaches that were in the AAF, all of them coached in the NFL, played in the NFL, played college, coached in the CFL. They all coached in the AAF and they coach us here. Uh, at the XFL. So a lot of those similarities to the players with the coaches, but I'll be honest with you off the field, um, everything in the XFL has been first class and not that it wasn't the AAF, uh, but you can just see the attention to detail, the, uh, the money, the resources are pouring in for us to really play well and put on a good product. Cause at the end of the day, it's about the TV. It's about the revenue. That's what keeps the league going. Um, and Vince McMahon and the people at the XFL and the front offices of all our team president and uh, our head coach, everything is first class. We have a great facility. We're out here in plant um, and we love it. We really do. It's, it's unique. We're in the little small town, but we're 25 minutes from Tampa. You need to get downtown. We're right near Lakeland. So uh, it's been a unique experience for me and uh, I really enjoy it so far. I really have. So, uh, you say everything's first class. What's the travel like with the XFL? And, like, what kind of hotels and flights are they putting you all on? That's a great question. I, I was going to let it go. And, again, I'm running on. It's a little different than a radio interview with these podcasts. We can talk more and have yeah. some fun. So I was like, uh, maybe they'll ask about it. So, no. Uh, so, we, we, we travel um, we travel private charter, which is fantastic. And we did in the AAF, too. Um, but, no, we, we travel private charter. And then we stay when we go to uh, these cities we're playing in. We, we stay in really nice four or five star hotels. What? We stayed in a hotel in Wee in Weehawk, and yeah, super nice. I mean, it's smart. Vince McMahon, like he's got these injuries, sure got the contracts with, uh, or their people, the contracts with these hotels. Every away team stays in the hotel, and they're beautiful. We were in Long Beach uh, 48 hours ago. <laughs> it's a quick turnaround, and we stayed right near the water. I walked on the beach in the morning. Uh, and then we Hawken, we stayed with a view literally of New York City and just absolutely beautiful, beautiful view right in front of the Weehawken Ferry that goes with New York. 
And then we stayed in the W in Seattle, right downtown. So uh, that's first class. I mean, you can't beat it. The food's great. Everything's great. Everything you need to succeed on the field for a good product. Like I said, it's about that TV, about that good product. So um, they take care of their players. They really have. And then we stay out here in then like the extended stay hotel um, in Plant City. And no, it's great. We, we really get treated well. The guys uh, aren't complaining about about how things are going. Uh, it's it's been first class. Other than other than we need a win, a couple wins. But uh, uh, really, everything has been great, and it's a uh, it's a great atmosphere to play football and to get better. It's all about your film and get back to the league. So you say you're out in Plant City. Have you made it out to the uh, Strawberry Festival yet? I have not. Guys on the team have. I was planning to do it yesterday. Uh, it's such a big deal. I'm going to try to get out before it folds. I think it folds this weekend, but no, it was tough. I was planning to do it this weekend, but, uh, or this past week or Monday, excuse me, I'm really screwed up because we were in LA for a Sunday night game. Uh, and I mean, the game was really 10 o'clock Eastern time with the daylight savings. That's when the ball kicked off. So it was a very unique game to play in. And, um, we flew back and landed at Tampa. We were at Tampa International at, at seven. We landed at about six forty-five in the morning on Monday morning. Um, so you have that flight, and you just take a nap till like eleven, and then you kind of have somewhat of a day to recover. And then t- here we are on Tuesday on the phone. So it's a quick turnaround for sure. And uh, nice to fly private, though. Nice to yeah. fly private, that's for sure. No, that's awesome. Yeah, Nick and I are both uh, Florida transplants. We're from Maryland, so uh, oh, yeah. Where are you guys from? We're from the Eastern Shore, so like Salisbury. Oh, cool! Yeah, I know. Like Ocean Actually, City. Actually, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Ocean City, and um, it's funny. I take the ferry from Cape May to, to uh, from Lewis. Cape May to Lewis Delaware. Yeah, so yeah, that's I know awesome. it well. Yeah, yeah, I know it well, and uh, I love it there. I love Annapolis. It's like my one of my favorite places. Same. And uh, uh, my girlfriend played across in Florida, and all those people on our team are all from there. So I know it very well. No, that's awesome. Um, oh, let's talk about some Vipers. Like, when you first got to this team, um, you, you mentioned Nick Truesdale earlier, the great tight end who's just been, uh, especially in the preseason, which just taking everything by storm. Um, when you got there with Nick there, did they kind of discuss what your role would be with um, in kind of like uh, in the offense? Uh, I think you just kind of fall into it, to be honest yeah. with you. And then you, and then you kind of see it now. And it, the, the lines no, aren't drawn, but you just see where Nick fits and what Nick's doing and where DeAndre is. And I think we have the best tight end group in the entire XFL, top to bottom. We have a really good group and a great coach and Pete Mangarian, who, who was a head coach of two Ivy League teams uh, in Cornell and Columbia. And he coached with the Patriots for years and he's been all over the NFL. He's a coach with Parcells, with the Giants. And you couldn't ask for a better tight ends coach. Um, and really a great head coach and coach Trustman who's got a lot of knowledge and he's worked with some great tight ends over the years. So, uh, no, I don't think they're, they, we don't really discuss like what you're doing, but you just kind of see your role and you just do whatever you're asked to do. All of us can do a little bit of everything. So it's a fun group to be a part of. So this Vipers team this year has shown flashes of greatness and have come so close, but haven't able to, have not been able to win that many games. Um, what's the locker room like, um, knowing that you're so close, but you're going to come away with one win. Yeah, that's tough. It's really tough. I'll be honest with you guys. It's hard to not win. Um, it's really hard to put the work in. But I'll tell you what, we have a really resilient group. We have a really resilient group uh, led by a, a great man and leader of men and Coach Mark Tressman and, and our whole entire staff. The building, you wouldn't know if we won or lost based off of uh, how we act, how we work. It looks the same every week. Um, we act, it doesn't change, you know, your work ethic, how you approach the game. There's only one way to do it. Uh, you got to fully invest. So we are a really, really good football team. It's clear to see, obviously a defense that makes a ton of plays that can do great things, shut out DC. Um, and then you got offensively really the two, my opinion, the two best running backs in the entire league and three good quarterbacks. Uh, it's very rare. Uh, for any league, let alone the XFL. And then you have a great offensive line, and great threats on the outside. We talk about Nick Truesdale and Gould, Nick Truesdale and, and Goolsby. And we just haven't been able to put four quarters together, it seems. And um, that's on us as the players. Uh, at the end of the day, we have to go out and execute and make the plays. So we struggled early in the year getting in the red zone. Now we're doing better in the red zone. Um, and, uh, 
hopefully turn things around. Really, the losses stink, but at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, everything's in front of us in the East. So we got to win the East uh, and get into the playoffs. Absolutely. Um, all right, I, I want to bring this up. This was the amazing catch you had. Uh, I'm sure everybody was talking about it. So this is week four at home against D.C. So Taylor Cornelius just to set it up through through a pass that bounced off Dan Williams's hands. And you came out of nowhere, like five yards behind him, were able to scoop the ball up. I think it was a 13-yard completion. Um, take me through that play. What was your role supposed to be on that play? And and uh, what was your reaction when you came up with it? Oh, uh, yeah, that was fun. We, we talk about it. People – People talk crap and smack on the team to me all the time about it, about my celebration after, and we have fun. And uh, the offensive line was fired up. I'm an extension to them because I block so much, so we have a good good rapport. And they were jacked up, but no. So uh, the play is just like a play action, and uh, my job's you know sell run and then open up out of it and kind of be behind the quarterback for a late throw. And I just kind of drifted a bit on it a little deeper probably than I wanted to be, but I drifted nonetheless. And then I turned right away. It was a habit that Temple football and Coach Foley, my dead end coach, got in my head. I just every time that ball's thrown, you got to turn and go, turn and go. Ed uh, Foley now is the assistant special teams coach with the Carolina Panthers. He followed Coach Rule. But nonetheless, um yeah, just I just took off and started jogging towards Dan and all of a sudden the ball popped up. So lesson for the kids out there, run to the football. And then I uh just dove at the ball and just kind of caught it as best I can and then lunged forward as much as I can because I know there were guys around me. I wanted to get up and score. Everyone's like saying, you should get up and score. I'm like, listen, I'm just trying to catch it first. Let's just start there. And uh, it was a fun fun play and scooped it up right before it hit the ground and then the crowd went nuts. We have a great, great fan base. Uh, They're awesome and they really buy in and we had a lot of fun. So it was... uh, Super loud, and I had to do the first down point. It's the first time I've ever oh, done it. I did it in high school. My high school coach freaked out at me and said, never do that again. So I haven't done it since. And uh, I, uh, yeah, it was well worth it and lead to some great gifts and some memes and some uh, funny banter with a bunch of my family and friends and on Twitter. So, yeah, it was fun. Uh, happy to make it my first catch off, off of Dan's hands and a ball throw from Taylor. So pretty, pretty fun stuff. How many uh, how many texts did you get after the game from family and friends that were just freaking out over that? People were pretty jacked up. I was yeah. too, obviously. I got a bunch. The phone was bu- you know was buzzing away, and Twitter was popping off, and uh, which makes it makes it fun. The XFL does a great job with social media. They really do. Yeah, um, oh yeah, they do. It, it's a fun. The XFL does great. They, they we all saw the beer snake in DC. That's hysterical. They just embrace everything. It's a Breath of fresh air, and not the NFL doesn't do it, but they're so big. I don't think they can have as much fun. It's such a big business. This is exactly what I thought it would be and more when it comes to the fun, the viewing experience, the fan group. I mean, it's almost like a very MLS vibe. It's a fun, family-oriented. It's affordable tickets. It's affordable parking. Um, It just seems like a great place to watch a game. We have a ball at the games. We played in Seattle. It was 30,000 people. Yeah. So it was rocking. And, and it's just a great experience. You can't ask for anything more in minor league football. So do you guys call Taylor Cornelius Corndog? That's, that's one of his big nicknames online. He he is not a fan. He is not a fan <laughs> of Corndog. That got buried at Oklahoma State. That's what uh, Mike Gundy called him. So – He's my roommate in training camp, my roommate in mini camp. I love the guy. He's a good friend. And he does not like corn dog. We tried bird, because uh, he's got bird legs, but we don't we don't do that either. It doesn't stick, you know. So people call him bird, people call him Taylor. Uh, but really a stud. Had a breakout game uh, this week, confidence wise, throwing the football. A couple of interceptions I know, but that's it's part of the game. It's part of the growing process. And uh, I know he's frustrating and working hard, but he's obviously got talent. You can see that. We got three good quarterbacks, so I'm excited for him and our group. Uh, we got a good group and I'm excited for the game plan this weekend, St. Louis. That's so funny that he doesn't like enjoy the name Corndog because I think it was like pushed on us during one of the telecasts that the one of the sideline guys for ESPN or whatever was like, you know, Taylor Cornelius, his nickname is Corndog. And ever since then, whenever we talked about him, I don't think we've said his full name, Taylor Cornelius, since then. It's all Corndog. 
every comment is the emojis. It's a, co- or yeah. like a corn on the cob. And a and dog. Then a dog. Yeah. Every listen, I, I told him, listen, there's no such thing as bad press. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's some things that are bad press. But <laughs> when it comes to some things you may not like personally, hey, you know, but he's a, he is an all business type guy. He is, you know, he, he's, he's straightforward. He's a kind of quiet, reserved, but likes to have fun and got a great personality. So, no, he, he is not ready to embrace the corn dog, I think, again. But you may not have a choice. You may not have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about your media career. You brought this up earlier. Uh, you do a little radio. You do uh, some excellent podcasting. Uh, what kind of drew you into that line of work and what really excites you about that? Well, I, it's funny. I, I, I was asked this question. I don't know, a couple of months ago or a year ago, you know, well, how'd you get into sports media? Well, I think I, my dad would used to drive me to school. I mean, listen to Mike and Mike in the morning. And I just learned how to, I just found it interesting. They get to talk about sports every day and uh, they get to talk about some world topics too. And it, it just, they draw me to, it just kind of, I gravitated towards it. And I've always wanted to be in business or in media or whatever it may be. So the podcast, everyone has one now, including you guys. And, um, everyone's got a voice, social media. And now you got a voice on a podcast. Um, so when I get cut for the giants, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start it. I'm going to do one. And the NFL stands for not for long. So that's why I have the not for long podcast. So, uh, started that. I've had a couple of different versions of it. I've had one just with me. And then it's, it's very hard to do when you're playing football. Uh, you guys, I'm assuming this isn't your way of making money, living your life. So this is a hobby. Or this is a, another thing you have to do on top of your day. And you guys know that's not easy. So uh, it has been fun. I wish I could be more consistent with it. I wish I could put an episode out every week. But like I've said, I've had a version of me when I got cut from the Giants. It was just me having my friends on. And then I had one with the previous version with uh, Mike Gill and Hunter Brody, buddies of mine from uh, 97.3 ESPN South Jersey. But we, you know, that's slowed down that I'm here. And I'm going to bring back the version with me again. Uh, with players on the team. I've had Gerald Foster and John Yarborough on. I'm having our assistant operations guy, Ron Zaleski, on. Uh, I'm having a bunch of Viper people on. It's not going to be a Viper podcast, per se, but I'm here. I have this access. Uh, we all live in a hotel together. This is a perfect opportunity to talk for 45 minutes, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it may be, and grow their brand and uh, talk about their lives. So. Yeah, I'm going to punch, uh, put about two or three out this week, and then I'll put one out per week as the weeks go on. Uh, and then I'll continue to do it when the season ends, too. So I'm bringing it back. It's been really tough because, like I said, that boiler is all on with football, and and uh, it's hard to uh, to get away from that because playing is the most important thing right now. We can't wait for the, the Tampa Bay Vipers players to come on your podcast. I have one more question, and I have uh, some rapid-fire questions, and we'll let you run. Um, so this is this kind of relates to the media and, and everything that's going on in the XFL. It is fun, and on the TV side of it, um, they have sideline reporters asking questions basically after every single play, and they have somebody in the locker room at halftime. Um, what is your opinion of what these people were doing? And I'm going to flip the tables. Let's If you were a sideline reporter, how would you handle some of these quick, fast-paced player interviews? So you're referring to like people cursing and such, like that you're talking about? Or just in general, like how, like, cause I saw Molly, uh, yeah, uh, McGrath. I've worked some games with Molly before. She's on the ESPN, like, when Temple plays on the Thursday night, and she'll do the game with McAfee and Hasselback, and uh, I'll do the game. I'm doing the game too. So it's pretty cool to get to know those people as someone who's in the business, but also playing. And then I see him on the sideline during the game, and I get to say hello, which is really unique. Uh, I just literally called a game with them two months ago or whatever it was, more than that now, but uh, during the Temple season. Uh, but to answer your question, how would I handle – what do I think of them? Uh, I think first the first day was a lot. The first day with D.C. and Logan Bill, Tom, who I know from the Under Armour game, it was good to see him too. He is running around the sideline. They're getting mics in everyone's faces. Like it's just probably a little too chaotic. Yep. Now I think they found a happy medium. Uh, they are you know talking to people like once a quarter. I think that's really cool they put that. They put the uh, headphone, they put the microphone in Aaron Murray's helmet. That's what I would try to do, right? How can you get more access? I want to know the plays. I think that's really unique. You can hear what coach is saying. It's awesome. Really cool. So um, as a reporter, I would be, it'd be tough for me to get in there and like put this mic in some guy's face at halftime. Yeah. You know, I, 
I want my space at halftime. Um, but the halftimes were so quick. We go in, we sit down. We shouldn't even have a halftime. <laughs> we should just stay on the field, eat our orange peels like we used to back in the day and and, uh, and just go. So, no, I love it all, though. I think it's great. They're doing a great job branding players and branding the league and access. And it's either you don't watch the XFL at all or you're all in on it. That's the kind of the vibe I get. Uh, and there's a lot of people all in on it, so it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, all right, we have some hard-hitting. We have some rapid-fire questions, and we'll let you run out of Let's here. Let's do it. Um, all right, would you rather catch a tight end or set a block – or I'm sorry, would you rather catch a touchdown or set a block that allows someone to score a touchdown? Oh, that's a great question. I would rather I would rather lay a block. That, yeah, I, I figured that one. Uh, who is yeah. your dream podcast guest? Oh wow. That's a that's a great one. I have some people too that are in my mind that of course have just slipped my mind. Oh man. Let me think about that. We'll come back to it. Okay. Uh, who was the nicest person you met during your time in the NFL? Oh wow, there's some great ones. I would say I would say uh, Trey Burton. Trey Burton's a great friend, and he lives in Tampa in the offseason. He's a he's a uh, great friend. Played of art together and uh, played with the Bears together. He's definitely the nicest guy I've met in the league, and I've met a bunch of great dudes, but uh, Trey took took great care of me. So uh, your former teammate with the Bears, Mitch Trubisky, uh, he took his lumps last season at, at quarterback. Uh, and the struggles he had. What do you think about Mitch Trubisky as a quarterback? And can he turn the page and take a, a next step forward this next season? I think Mitch has all the skills to be a great quarterback. He really does. He kills splash in the pan and throw for six touchdowns like he did against Tampa, I think, last year or the year before. Uh, he's got a ton of skill when it comes to running the football. I think they're going to run him more. I think late in the year they started running him more. And that's when Mitch settled in. He's such a gamer. Mm-hmm. He's such a good leader. He's a, a good human. Uh, and He's tough, and people from Chicago like that. So the players love him, and I love them in Chicago too. I think that's that's key. It's an underrated thing is your teammates love playing with you. Uh, so I think Mitch has got the tools to turn around. I really do, and they got a great team. That's probably my that's my favorite roster in the NFL. I think they're loaded. It's one of the top three in the league, at least, the top to bottom. They got a ton of talent. Mitch, people forget Mitch is also football young. So one year of college, and then uh, <laughs> the NFL. Absolutely. That's- yeah, but you know, like that—that's one thing. I when people leave early, you got—and this isn't on Mitch. This is not to do with Mitch. This is just in general. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have all your tools sharpened and ready to go. Right. There's no. There's no like, hey, we're gonna redshirt you. You know, maybe if you're a project guy or you switch positions, they give you a year on the practice squad. But there's no like, hey, you know, we have this off season. No, there's you got to be able to go and be the best version of you every day, or they'll just find somebody new. Because next year, there's a draft. There's the XFL. There's the CFL. So. That's a lot. All right. We're going to talk Vipers teammates. Uh, who's the funniest teammate on the Vipers? Oh, uh, man. Jordan McRae, our center, one of our best players by far. He's a stud, and he's one of the funniest guys on the team. He makes me laugh. Uh, you travel a lot in the XFL. Do you have a travel buddy or just a favorite guy to hang out around? Um, my roommate, Tanner McAvoy, is a great guy. We're uh, from kind of the same area in the Northeast. He's from Jersey. And obviously, I'm from Pennsylvania. Tanner's fun. Taylor, all the whole the whole group. We got a great group. I sit next to the tight ends on the plane. It's it's a fun bunch. Our coaches are great. Our players are great. I like traveling with everybody. We have a good time. Who is uh, who's one teammate that spends just a little bit too much t- uh, time in front of the mirror? <laughs> Reese Horn. Reese Horn. Reese, Horn. <laughs> <laughs> Reese looks. Reese is a good looking guy. I would do it too. You know, he's got the hair. He's got the look. He's got the. Yeah, he's got what. He's, of course, it would be a wide receiver. And a tough one, too. You guys see the hits he takes. He's a very oh, good yeah. player. Yeah. He's very clutch. I mean, they're big. he makes big plays all the time. Uh, but Reese, he looks good. I would, if, I, if I looked like Reese, I'd be in front of the mirror every day, too. <laughs> He's got some great flow. What? Uh, who's yeah. one teammate that you look at and you're like, he will definitely be in the NFL one day? I think Taylor Cornelius. Oh. Uh, but he's, he's a stud. He's an absolute stud. He will be in the NFL one day. Um and when I say NFL, I'm not saying that he's gonna, these guys are going to be. He's going to be the next Peyton Manning. I'm just saying, and I hope he is. <laughs> I think he. I think he's got, got a ton of ability. But you know, make a roster. I think Taylor's got that ability. Let's see who else. There's just a bunch of guys. Both of our running backs. I think our entire offensive line is really good. It's very tough with our team. You have great. We have great defensive players. Uh, so for me to pick one is really tough. Uh, but Tanner, Taylor's my buddy. So uh, I'll say corn dog for sure. Yes, corn dog. 
Uh, all right, two more. Favorite part of playing in Tampa and just being back in Florida? Oh, I love it here. I mean, the weather's one. I can give you 50. Uh, the weather's one. It's just fantastic weather right now. Uh, I hope it stays cooler a little longer. Not ready for high 80s yet, but yeah. uh, it's great. I mean, we, we've done Clearwater. We've done Ybor City. We've done downtown. We've done I've done a lightning game. We've done uh, everything. We, we've eaten in Soho. Uh, you know, we've gone out in Soho for, for, for dinner. We've done just a bunch of stuff. There's so much to do. We've done, uh, uh, what is it called, American Social. We've been there a bunch on the water uh, to get some food. I mean, it's just a great city. You'd love it. Um, we are in Plant City, and then the Strawberry Festival is awesome. So there's always stuff going on. That's what I enjoy. We've done Lakeland a bunch, actually, too, which is a great little town, great little small city that no one probably really, I don't know, seizes that. But we have a great time. We love it. All um, right. Last I love, question. I love being down here. Last question. and it's, it's a big one. Do you have any questions for us? Who's your guy's favorite player on the team? Probably Yeah, I like Dan Williams a lot. I think Dan Williams does some awesome stuff at wide receiver. I think we're we're two, we're two wide receiver guys. Okay, defensively, who's your favorite player? Um, they're tougher I, names. You're probably Abdullah getting. Kelly? It, how do you pronounce Kelly the corner's first name? Abdullah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we're uh. We we yeah he had one game where he kind of had some hiccups uh, with but, some pass interference calls yeah and we got on him a little bit and then it seemed like next week he listened and really pulled through so he definitely he's heard guy you right guys. now he definitely heard you guys you know from afar he definitely was listening no he's good you guys are gonna get to know Obum uh, our defensive end he is a stud he was hurt first couple games he's a stud we got a ton of great players so let's see any more questions for you guys how has been have you guys done a podcast before. Yeah, so um, we've uh, we've done this is our first year doing Vipers podcast, obviously. Um, so, but we've we've had our own podcast for gosh three years now. Yeah, we've uh, we've been best friends all through like middle school and high school, and then I moved down to Florida, and he was back in Maryland. So we wanted something that we could just do to to really keep in touch. And we both love sports, so we figured a podcast would be the best thing. And then we Justin just decided to move down, and now we're doing it together. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Well, you guys will have a listener in me. Uh, oh, I'm thanks, excited. Man. And uh, we'll get some of my other teammates on because that's, that's what it's all about, letting these Viper fans get to know us. And uh, there's a couple guys that I'm sure I could pass along that have come on. That's, fanta- that's yeah, fantastic. We would, we would absolutely love it. Um, next time you're in Clearwater, we'll, have to, uh, we'll get a beer. Absolutely. I know a few places. <laughs> I'm sure you do too. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I'm trying uh, Colin- to get to a Phillies game. I'm trying to get to a Phillies game. Yeah, Spectrum Field is fantastic. It's like five seconds from our house. Yeah, I'm trying. I, I love the breakfast place right there, too. It slips my mind. Oh, what is Lenny's. it called? Lenny's. Lenny's. Love it. I love <laughs> that place. That's my favorite. So, no, I'd love to. I'd love to grab one of you guys and uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Colin, it, to say it's been a pleasure is an understatement. You, uh, It has been a delight talking to you uh, tonight. And uh, best of luck moving forward. Oh, we almost forgot. I want you to plug plug both your podcasts and tell people how to listen, where to listen. Yeah, so anywhere you get a podcast, you can you can define the Not For Long Sports podcast. I have the Business of Sports Insider a podcast, but that is taking a backseat for now. Um, a little hard to juggle both. So, uh, But they're still on there. You can listen to the episodes. I have some good ones there. We talk finance. We talk business. We talk front office, GMs, uh, agents, financial advisors. It's pretty unique. That's a Business of Sports Insider. But really, my one I'm going to have all the Vipers players on and, and some of my NFL buddies on this offseason. Uh, is the Not For Long Sports Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us. So thanks, guys. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like, Colin Thompson, TU. That's fantastic. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you, Colin, for joining us on Vipers Talk. And from all of us here at, at Vipers Talk, and I'm, of course, referring to Nick oh, and course. I. Just Yeah, Nick and I. I want to say thank you to the fans and supporters of our podcast. You know, um, this is something that uh, is obviously very hard for us to talk about right now, the fact that there, we won't have any more XFL games. But just the, the constant pe- the support, the people reaching out to us, just telling us that they enjoyed what we do and what we did this season. Um, I think that we provided some of the best Vipers coverage out there on the Internet. Uh, we are, of course, the number one Tampa Bay Vipers XFL podcast. But um, we, we really sincerely appreciate everything, uh, all the love and support, 
that uh, you guys have given us and um, yeah, so we just really we really hope that you continue to listen. I think what's what's the plan moving forward? Yeah, right now the plan moving forward is to just put out a podcast whenever there's some information or whenever we have enough stuff to talk about or a um, guest or a guest. Yeah, we're going to continue trying to uh, talk to other players. We don't necessarily have a schedule lined up yet, but more to that or that will come whenever we kind of figure things out. But uh, we're going to keep the podcast live. We're going to try and keep posting whenever uh, we find things out, whenever there's news, anything yeah. happens. And, yeah, we're, we'll definitely be back next year to really keep pushing. And Year two of the Tampa Bay Vipers is going to be amazing. Uh, we can't wait to cover that. And like Nick said, uh, we are not going away. This is not the, this is not the last episode of Vipers Talk. Um, we, are, we will be back, and we appreciate everything that you guys have done for us. So, um so it's not goodbye. It's, what is it, see you later? See you later. It's see you later. And that's what this is. So for now, we will see you later. And uh, hopefully we will uh, have you guys tune in to some of our future episodes right here on Vipers Talk. So uh, uh, from, from Nick and Justin and the whole, the whole Vipers Talk team, thank you and uh, see you soon. See you later.